If you would, take your Bibles, go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians, chapter number 4. While you're turning, I want to just be transparent with you about today's message. Uh, I'm actually not preaching the message that I planned on preaching this morning. I've had a message on my heart for quite some time, and uh, when last night, or excuse me, yesterday, when they started giving some weather forecast, and it was looking like this morning could be some treacherous road conditions, and I'm thinking, well, there's a possibility we could have to cancel church or just do live stream, and certainly with the weather forecast, I knew that uh, the attendance here in the auditorium would be down and uh, to be honest with you, I expected it to be down more than what it is. We're down just a little bit here this morning, but we trust those of you that were not able to get out because of the weather or because of COVID, we trust that you are with us in spirit and uh, in the live stream service as well. And so uh, last night I was talking to the men and I asked them to pray for me because um, this message that I planned on preaching today is a message that has really been on my heart for quite some time. And I've been doing a lot of praying, a lot of studying, a lot of meditating on this message, and I believe that it's a message that is extremely timely, extremely important. I believe that it is potentially one of those life-changing messages. At least that's my hope, and that is my burden. But uh, Lord willing, we'll be preaching that message next week. I asked the men to pray that God would give me wisdom and discernment, and while I was praying last night, uh, it's like the Lord just started leading and guiding my thoughts, and He gave me a plan B, so to speak, and actually, uh, this morning's message will be part one of a three-part message, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about it when we introduce the title after we read the text, but I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit does indeed lead us and guide us, aren't you? And sometimes we, we fail, we, we start leaning to our own understanding, and sometimes we fail to be sensitive to the Spirit's leadership. Sometimes we fail to be patient in prayer, and sometimes we, we, we fail to even ask the Lord to give us guidance and wisdom. And folks, if something's important, then if it's important to God then it is important enough to us to seek His face and say, God, would you show me? Would you guide me? And uh, almost without fail, every time that I have ever sought the Lord, I've per, when I've persisted in prayer, I've found that the Holy Spirit just would settle my spirit on a course of action. Of course, God uses our intellect, and He doesn't speak to us audibly in our ear, but the Holy Spirit inside of us and our spirit, they can communicate back and forth if we are asking, if we are listening, and if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to thank God here this morning that God gave me what I believe is His direction. And so today's message will be one uh, basically of wisdom Uh, Next week, Lord willing, will be a message that hopefully will be more conviction, and then the third part of this series of messages will be strictly practical, and uh, when I introduce the topic, I think that you'll kind of understand a little bit more of what I mean. Let's dive into our text this morning, Ephesians chapter number 4, and beginning in verse number 17, 
This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And verse number 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. The series of messages that we're starting today comes from verse number 27, Neither give place to the devil. And what I want to preach to you this morning is shut the door, keep out the devil. Would you join me as we ask the Lord's blessings on His Word this morning? Father, thank You that we can call You our Father. Lord, we just read in Your Word about how there is a difference between us as saved people uh, compared to lost Gentiles. Lord, there's certainly a difference between us now that we're saved in comparison to how we used to think and how we used to live. And Lord, you've given us some admonishment that we should continue in righteousness and true holiness. And Lord, we are in a spiritual battle. And I pray that today's message would give wisdom and understanding. Lord, your people today are so ignorant of the spiritual battle that we are in. Lord, people live, they say that they're saved, and perhaps they are, and yet so many live so nonchalantly in a very evil world, and God, so often, too often, Lord, we hear of tragedies, the devil getting into someone's life and getting into someone's home and wreaking havoc with children and loved ones, and God, over the years, we've seen so many tears Lord, we've wept with people that have been broken by sin and by Satan. And God, we pray that you would take and use these messages to make a difference in our hearts and lives. Lord, as I prayed this morning, Lord, may these messages strike a deadly blow to the devil and his forces. May it awaken us, uh, awaken us to righteousness, God, that we would not be asleep and slumber and Let the devil have his will and way in our homes and lives. Bless us, we pray. If anyone's not saved, speak to their heart. Draw them to you. Lord, if there be a backslidden Christian, God, may they get right with God as a result of this message. God, give us all that spiritual wisdom and understanding that we might fight this good fight of faith, that we might endure hardness 
as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Help us to see, God, that we are in a battle of life and death. And I pray, God, that you'd bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of our message comes from a 1982 contemporary uh, Christian song, religious song, I should say, that has often been mistaken for a Negro spiritual. I don't know if I can say that today, but I just did. And so we're just going to have to calm down and get over it, because I don't know any other way to say it. This song, which has been mistaken for a Negro spiritual, goes, Shut the door, keep out the devil. Perhaps you've heard it. I'll spare you the rendition of trying to sing it before you hear today. That just proves how much your pastor loves you. (laughs) You know, folks, there was a time... I remember it as a young kid in rural Nampa, Idaho, when you didn't have to lock your doors, when you didn't have to worry about your persons being harmed or your possessions being taken. I was joking with Brother Randy Kimberlin yesterday at Street Ministry, and we were talking about getting back into shape, and he was talking about jogging and running. And I asked him, I said, where do you jog and run? And um, he, was, he started to tell me, and then just jokingly talked about a particular uh, boulevard in town. And he said, yeah, we, we, we run and jog over there. And I won't mention the name of that boulevard, but you've probably seen it in the newspaper uh, uh, on numerous occasions where people have been shot and stabbed and all kinds of bad things happening. Well, obviously, in this day and age, you're not going to go for your walk or your jog over in neighborhoods like that. It's just a very different age that we live in. In fact, it's dangerous nowadays just to open your door when somebody knocks on your door. They've got people, home invasions and all kinds of things. And folks, While we do not and should not have a spirit of fear, we certainly need to have the spirit of wisdom. Because we are living in a day and age where locks and security and so forth are very, very essential for our safety. And yet, nothing aside from God's mercy can make us totally secure without any concern whatsoever. In fact, the psalmist said, except the Lord keep the house, they labor in vain that keep it. Only the Lord can keep the city. Only the Lord can truly protect us. But we also know that God is very silent and sometimes He allows things to happen. And so because of that, we use some common sense. But the bottom line is, if someone wants in your car then they'll get in it. (laughs) But the foolish person makes it easy on them, leaves their doors unlocked, um, makes it easy for them to take your possessions or to do it without being detected. I've always remind my wife, well, just because we lock the door, that's not going to stop anybody from getting in. But it might make them have to make enough noise to where a neighbor or a passerby may see or hear, and maybe it will thwart their plans of taking my possession. Too often, please, please listen to this next statement, too often we use common sense toward things in life that are not 
really that important in protecting. And at the same time, we act like fools regarding things that should be taken deathly serious. I'm talking about the spiritual world around us, and I'm talking about the devil who is trying to destroy us. I guarantee you, someone is listening to my voice right here and right now that you have deadbolts in your house and you lock your house up at night to try to protect your children. You have firearms that are nearby to protect your children from the bad guy and yet you'll take and you'll sit your child in front of Disney Channel for hour upon hour. You are you are majoring on things that are not that significant and overlooking the things that ultimately can and will destroy your children. Now, I don't care what you think of Disney and Nickelodeon, and I don't care what you think about all of those things. You've got a pastor that loves you and will warn you. There are spirits behind those. Well, I've never seen any spirit coming out of the TV and and, and influencing my child. Listen, there, the behavior of children and the things that they struggle with today is uncanny. It's not like it was when some of you, some of you that are grandparents, when you were growing up, childhood was a time of innocency where children would play with things. But now it's all virtual and it's all digital. And children suffer from ADD and they suffer from um, from hyperactive disorders and frustration inside and an angry spirit. The answer isn't Ritalin. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't cases. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't physiological problems. But you're not going to convince me that the amount of children that need psychologists and counseling and medication, that that has always been the case. Our culture is messed up and our culture has thrown the door wide open for the devil. And too often parents don't care enough or they don't want their child to be weird. They don't want their child to be different. Let me tell you something. If you've got a choice between every child in the neighborhood or the schoolroom ridiculing your child, and you've got a choice between that and sitting your child down next to Satan or some devil to influence them, hey, you better choose the right decision, and you better shut the door and keep out the devil. He plays for keeps. And I've seen too many tragedies. I've seen too many Christian homes that take the devil too lightly. And they scratch their head once their kid becomes a teenager or their child becomes grown and their child gets all involved in drugs and alcohol and premarital sex has unwed pregnancies, has destruction and depression and all kinds of emotional disorders. And they scratch their head and they think, I don't understand. I took them to church every now and then. We believed in God. I made sure that they got saved. Let me tell you something. If your child is saved, praise the Lord, they're on their way to heaven. But that makes them an even bigger target. Listen, Satan wants to take down God's children for every one of God's children that he can destroy. I think it's probably worth a hundred of lost people that he could take down. 
God's children are trophies to the devil. We need to wake up and realize that. You know, you can't stop the devil from showing up. He showed up in the life of Jesus Christ. But you might recall in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 that the devil showed up in Jesus' life at his absolute very weakest moment. Now, we have weak moments, do we not? And we think, oh, I'll just resist the devil and he'll flee from me. Listen, the Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. If you think you're going to resist him, but you won't submit to God, you're going to be a lot like those seven sons of Sceva. They're in the book of Acts. They said they, they're trying to, to, to imitate Paul. And they said to those devils, they said, we adjure thee by Jesus whom Paul preached. Come out of that man. And you know what those devils did? They jumped on those seven sons of Sceva. And they said, Paul I know. And Jesus I know. But who are ye? Listen, if we are not in submission, if our hearts and our wills and our lives are not in submission to God... I don't care what we claim. We can say, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. It does no good. Listen, it's not a magical incantation. I know some religious people, they put Mary on their dashboard or they put a cross around their neck. You know what those are? They're trinkets. That's all. They have no power. They represent nothing. Listen, this is a spiritual battle, incantations and repetitions and, 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 uh, what's the word that I want? Uh, superstitions have no power over the spirit world. Let me talk to you about the spirit world for just a little while here this morning. God's creation is not just the visible realm. There are powerful creatures that inhabit the world around us that we cannot see. I feel pretty confident that the fact that what we're preaching here today, there's probably at least one here today and maybe more. You ever wonder why, hey, I know this message is important, but I can't seem to pay attention. You probably got a devil sitting on your shoulder because he knows that this is exactly what you need. And he knows just exactly how to lull you to sleep or distract you. He, he whispers in your ears. He whispers in your mind. He's probably here, just not seen. Powerful, powerful creatures. There are angels that guard and guide God's children. But there are also devils that viciously and inconspicuously work to destroy and harm people. Not just God's people, but all people, but especially God's people. When we talk about Satan or the devil, we also are referring to devils, plural, commonly referred to as demons. Now, the word demons doesn't appear in the Bible. It comes from Greek mythology, but literally, I'm sure that the word demons and demonology is a, just another word in reference to what the Bible calls devils, plural. And they are organized. 
and they have personalities, and they have powers, and each one has different powers, and each one has different strengths and different types, and they are personages that were created by God. The devils were once God's angels, but when Satan fell, when he said, I will ascend, I will be like God, and God cast him out, there were there were We don't know how many, but there were many, many devils that fell with Satan. And he is their leader. He is their commander. And they do what he wants them to do. Devils are spirits. Now, for for sake of wisdom, if we're going to understand how spirits work then we need to at least understand a few things that the Bible, the Word of God, says about the Spirit. And so for just a little while here, I'm going to give you some bullet points that deal with the human spirit. We have a spirit, folks. The Bible says that God took and fashioned Adam out of the dust of the ground, out of clay, He made his body, but then the Bible says that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What do we have here? We have a, we have a being. We are beings that were created in God's image. God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In like manner, we too are a triune being, a trichotomy, if you will. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. The Bible refers to Pharaoh having a troubled spirit after his dream. And of course, Joseph interpreted that dream. The Bible talks about Israel had a spirit of anguish and therefore would not listen to the man of God. I read in the Scripture that the people had a willing spirit to give their possessions for the building of the tabernacle. The book of Leviticus warns of a familiar spirit. I looked that term familiar spirit up because I wasn't quite sure where the term came from. The word familiar comes from the Latin word for a servant, meaning that this familiar spirit is serving a witch, necromancer, or warlock, whatever the case, whatever you want to call them, this familiar spirit has made a league with a human being and is actually doing that person's bidding as a servant. That's where the term familiar spirit comes from. And don't think that those just existed in the Old Testament or the New Testament. They exist today. The more and more that we see the Bible and the Word of God moving out of our culture, I promise you the more and more that we are going to see outward visible demonic activity. There was so much outward visible demonic activity when Jesus came the first time. As we approach the return of Jesus Christ, we're going to see it. And we're seeing it, only it's appearing in very subtle, deceptive forms. Why? Because the devil has to operate undercover. But when 
mankind becomes so ignorant of the Word of God, then the devil doesn't have to operate undercover. He can do whatever he wants, and people aren't even going to know how to struggle with him or how to battle it. We're seeing it more and more around us. The Bible refers to a spirit of jealousy. The Bible says that Caleb, this is a positive one, that he had another spirit. Not the spirit of the ten spies, but Caleb and Joshua, they looked at all of the obstacles in front of them and they said, our God is able. Don't you wish that more of God's people today had the spirit of Caleb? Man, we've got the spirit of fear all around us. We've got people that are afraid of getting sick. And so they react, they overreact of get to, to that fear. And then we got others that are so afraid of losing a freedom that they overreact to that. Just the reality of it. We don't need to deal with the circumstances around us with a spirit of fear. We need to deal with it with the spirit of love and wisdom and a sound mind. We'll say more about that in a moment. The Bible refers to Hannah who had a sorrowful spirit. How about when Saul, King Saul, it says that an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. I've often wondered about this. And does this mean that this evil spirit was a devil that came from God to trouble Saul? Or was this just, have you ever just had a, have you ever just woke up one morning and your whole spirit and mood and demeanor could be described as an evil spirit? I have. Maybe once my wife did. Half a day. That's supposed to be funny. Lighten up, people. Yeah, you've had an evil spirit. Saul had it all the time. And the only thing that would ease that evil spirit was that sweet melody of the man of God, David, a righteous man, a goodly man, playing that harp with that sweet melody, and it would soothe his spirit. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of music that I like. Now, I'm okay with a little music that kind of makes me tap my toe a little bit, but some of this um, this modern so-called Christian music, it appeals to the flesh. And the Bible emphasizes a sweet melody. That's what God honors, and that's what the Spirit of God inside of us likes. That spirit of melody will calm your spirit, and it will it will provoke our spirit toward God, not toward ourselves. Have you ever noticed that this modern contemporary music, they may have some lyrics that talk about things that God had has done, but if you really look at the lyrics and you look at the worship, so-called, that goes on, it's all self-centered and, hey, look at me. I mean, people getting emotional because God loves me and because I'm so special and I'm so important. I like these old hymns that we sing around here that direct all the attention toward God. They're not designed 
to produce an emotional response. They're designed to give spiritual understanding. And that's the right kind of spirit. But Saul had an evil spirit. Hey, how about when God sent a lying spirit in the mouths of those false prophets? I mean, the majority of the preachers in Jeremiah's day, uh, they're all saying the same thing, but it was a lying spirit. Micaiah, in his day, God sent a lying spirit in the mouth of all the other prophets, and boy, they were animated. They preached some great messages. I mean, they had the they, they made some horns and Zedekiah said this is, he, he was so entertaining and he, he preached his message with so much confidence that people would think, oh, this has to be the word of God. Micaiah comes out and goes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he didn't preach with dynamics. He didn't even give any illustrations. He just said a few sentences. Well, this is what I saw. This is what God said. Now, will you leave me alone? (laughs) He didn't try to take up an offering. Oh, I impressed you with that sermon. Now you're going to support my ministry. Now we're going to have crowds and all. No, (laughs) Micaiah wasn't like that. He just said, you know what? You're toast if you go to battle. Wasn't what anybody wanted to hear, but it was the truth. What was going on with all of those animated preachers that were saying what everybody wanted to hear. God had sent a lying spirit. They were deceived. And that's why they were so good at deceiving. You ever notice that there are some people that can lie and you can't even detect it? You remember the day when, I mean, you remember when your kids were young and just so innocent and they tell you a fib, and boy, you could spot it that quick. And then they got good at it. Now, you want to know why they got good at it? Because the more that they lie, the more that their conscience becomes seared and jaded, and they can lie easily because it's not even bothering. They're not even bothered themselves, and so... When that happens, you can't detect anything. There are some people that are really good liars today. You can't detect that they're liars because they're not even bothered in their conscience. Folks, that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous spirit to have. Hey, I read in the Scripture that Elisha, as well as John the Baptist, both had the spirit of Elijah. Elisha came in the spirit of Elijah and then Of course, John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. How about this next one? When we sin, it corrupts our spirit. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a righteous and a holy man, but boy, he messed up big time, folks. He did something that you never would have thought that David would do it. And what did he do? And we'll say more about this next week, but he put himself in a situation where he was not able to shut the door on the devil, and he sinned greatly. And that's why he said in Psalm 51, verse number 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You remember when Nathan told him that story about that 
that man and the wayfaring visitor and killing that little lamb. You know the story. And how David had such righteous indignation. Oh, that man surely shall die. David still had a strong sense of justice and right and wrong. But the problem is that his view was all outward toward other people. You know, people that have secret sin in their life can be some of the most critical toward others. Now, usually it's others that have different sins than them. You know what the problem is? When we sin, it corrupts our spirit. And we don't see things the way that we ought to see, and we certainly don't speak as we ought to speak. Do you know that God is looking for a broken spirit? For us to yield to God. And I know that this issue right here is probably keeping a lot of people from experiencing God in a very personal and intimate way in that we will not let God break our spirit. We're going to live our way. We're going to do it our way. We're not going to change. We're not going to yield that stubbornness and that self-will. That is standing in our way of God being real in our life, forgiving us, healing us, and helping us. Listen, if you want God powerfully working in your life, then it starts with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. We have to humble ourselves I don't mean just outwardly with our lips. I mean we've got to truly recognize it from the depths of our heart and spirit. The Bible says that a haughty spirit precedes a fall. You watch somebody that gets haughty, gets full of themselves, gets proud. You watch and see they're getting ready to stumble and they're getting ready to fall every time. The Bible tells us that a man of understanding has an excellent spirit, kind of like Daniel in the Old Testament. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. I don't know exactly how to describe an excellent spirit. I know that it doesn't mean a person's personality, because all of us have different personalities. But regardless of our personality... We can have an excellent spirit. When a man or a woman has an excellent spirit, they're pleasant to be around. There's something drawing and something comforting. A man with an excellent spirit can stand for truth, but not do it in such a way that makes everybody around him feel horrible. He'll let the truth bring conviction, but not his own personality. That's an excellent spirit. Boy, I've had people, I've had preachers, say something from the pulpit with a smile on their face. And that sword of the Spirit just cut me to pieces. It wasn't because they were adding venom in their countenance. It just meant that they had an excellent spirit and God was using that. The Bible says that a patient spirit is superior to a proud spirit. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The Bible says that a hasty spirit will express anger quickly, and also those who reject God's word fall into a spirit of slumber, 
And then the last one I've already mentioned is there is indeed a spirit of fear. And this spirit of fear does not come from God, by the way. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If that spirit doesn't come from God, then where does it come from? It probably comes from the devil, the one who questions the Word of God, the one who accuses us before God, the one who would love nothing else than God's people to live according to a spirit of fear rather than a healthy fear of God. You ever seen in the Word of God where the Bible refers to the windows of heaven? In the book of Malachi, he says that if we'll tithe, if we'll trust God and give with tithes and offerings, that we can prove whether or not God will open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing. Those windows of heaven are something that God opens that connects heaven to our realm in which God can transfer those blessings. This illustrates that there are indeed openings between the two realms, the visible and the invisible. There are doors that allow the influence of the unseen realm to enter and influence us. All of the examples that I just showed you in the Word of God, and they're just Uh, There are just a a few, to be honest with you. There are so many examples that talk about the human spirit. But the reality of it is, devils are spirits, and most of the doors that connect the two realms has to do with our spirit. That is the opening that the devils use to influence us. It's not like he knocks on our literal, that, the door of our house. He gets into our lives through our spirit. Proverbs 25, verse number 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is what? It's like a city that is broken down and without walls, no defense, no protection. And sin will corrupt our spirit. When we will not yield to God, our spirit is affected. And while we may chalk it off to just a lot of different explanations, the bottom line is we open the door to the devil when we do not rule over our spirit. The human spirit is a very complex thing. It can be associated with our feelings and attitudes, but it's also very much connected to our knowledge and to our understanding. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul explains a little bit about our human spirits. Verse number 11, he says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, 
not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He's not saying we'll get the mind of Christ when we die or at the rapture or when we get to heaven. We have the mind of Christ. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And how, besides the Scripture, besides the Word of God, how does the Holy Spirit give us understanding and speak to us? He does it through our human spirit. That's why it is so absolutely essential that we be in line and in touch and in tune with the Holy Spirit and not the spirit of this world. Too many of God's people, they have the right God, they have the right plan of salvation, and they even have the right salvation. But their spirits are more influenced by the spirits that are out there rather than the spirit that comes from this book right here. If you look back at our text here, I'd like to uh, show a few uh, additional things here about what we've already read. In verse 17 through verse number 20, we see that there's a contrast between the saved and the lost. Notice here in verse 18, it says, "...having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their their heart." Notice verse number 20 says, "...but ye have not so learned Christ." Folks, our spirit should be different because we're saved. It should not be like the world. Why is it that so many of God's people want to be saved, but we want the world to love us and accept us? They didn't love and accept Jesus. Why should we care whether they love or, well, we don't want to be weird. You know how many parents... That, that they make decisions for their children and the thing that keeps coming up is, well, I don't want my kids to be weird. Why not? What's so bad about being weird? You know what, what has happened to our culture around us? I would much rather be weird. Let me get a little personal here. We... We have a handful, we have quite a few families here in our church that are homeschool families. And my personal conviction is that's, that's the best way that you can ensure that you have control over a quality education for your children. You know, you know I, there are Christian leaders that say, well, homeschooling isn't as good of an education as public education. That's baloney. Public, homeschool education is what you make of it. Well, I don't have a degree. I, listen, there are so many curriculums out there that will walk you through it. 
If you'll just be diligent and have some care, you can give your child an excellent, superior education because you have control of it. And I sure hope you love your kid more than the school teacher does or the school district. Listen, they're, they're trying to corrupt your children. Well, homeschool children are weird. Well, it's not because of homeschooling. Someone said, homeschool makes weird kids. I said, no, weird homeschools make weird kids. Hey, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're living in a day and age where you better chalk it down. The public education system is pretty much toast as far as not being a corrupting influence on our kids. And um, those of you that have your children in Christian school, you better be very, very careful because that's not an absolute either. Absolutely not. You better take responsibility for your children and don't just turn that responsibility over to anyone, Christian or secular or otherwise. You better make sure that you, God has entrusted you, Dad, to be the spiritual protector of your children. Now, if you can put them in a good, solid Christian school that has Bible convictions and standards and rules and enforces those rules, then praise the Lord. Thank God. If you've got that, then it's probably no doubt worth whatever tuition you have to pay. But stay diligent. And don't just assume anything. Stay on top of it because it doesn't take much to affect our children, and all they have to do is get around one friend, and they may be corrupted for life. And all of the trouble that you went through to keep them in church and to protect your home, you turn around and you open the door to the devil. We better keep the doors shut. Look at verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The key to locking the door to the devil is truth. Truth, truth, truth. Say it out loud with me. Truth, truth, truth. That is the key to locking the door of the devil. The world out there and modern Christianity says the key is being nice. Be good. That's the key. Listen, the devil doesn't care if you're good or nice as long as your goodness and niceness is not founded in the truth. Hey, consider 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 13. This will give you some wisdom if you'll listen. It says in verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of what? Of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Listen, when that TV preacher gets up there, 
And he won't preach against the devil and he won't call sin what it is. And he just talks about how wonderful you are and how you need to have better motivation and you need to have goals. And uh, I mean, he, he smiles and blinks his eyes so innocently. You better mark it down. You better mark it down if they won't tell you the truth and they're just promoting something that's nice and good. It is a minister of Satan. Verse number 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. There has to be a putting off and a putting on in order for the spirit of our mind to be renewed. Listen, we need the spirit of our mind to be in touch and in tune with the spirit of God. That's the only way that we can keep the devil's door closed. That's the only way we can resist him is if we recognize him. If you don't recognize him, then you're not going to resist him. And that's why it's so vital that we put off the old man. I preached last week how the, the day and age when we can get by with nominal Christianity, it's over. It's over. The devil has gotten too much power. He has gotten too much control. Listen, we're living in a day and age. I remember uh, back in the day when we had college and career kids, we used to take them uh, to these paintball wars. And, and there was this one place nearby that was this slimy, dingy building where they had all kinds of obstacles in there. And, and, and you'd hide behind the obstacles and you'd shoot the enemy, whatever the enemy was, with paintballs. And, and I remember, it's like, this isn't any fun at all. You just walk into this nasty, slimy building and there's just paintballs flying all over the place. I mean, people hitting you with paintballs that they weren't even aiming at you. They're just going, you just got paintball flying everywhere. It's like, what fun is that? You're not going to go from hiding behind one box to the next box without getting hit by paint. Hey, I got news for you. We are, there are fiery darts in our culture that are flying all over the place. The devil doesn't even have to single you out. There's fiery darts all over the place. And if you don't put off the old man and put on the new man, you're just going to walk right out into the middle of the open and boom, the fiery dart's going to hit you right in the heart. Verse number 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, neither let the sun go down on your wrath. We saw in verse number 22 that it talked about deceitful lusts. Listen, deceitful lusts open the door to the devil. I'll say more about it two weeks from now. But listen, when you, uh, when you click on that computer, you just open the door wide open. Guys, I think you understand what I'm getting at. Well, I didn't get caught. I erased my cookies and my brownies and all of that good stuff. 
I deleted my history. Yeah, well, you opened the door to the devil, and he's roaming around in your house. Well, he's not bothering me. Yeah, you might want to go peek in the bedroom of your child. He's probably hovering over them while they sleep, whispering in their ears. You say, that sounds spooky and scary. Good. It needs to because it's true. Deceitful lusts, and then, of course, lying. You know, the more that you lie, the more that you get jaded against the truth, and the truth doesn't even, isn't even discernible to you. And once again, without truth, we cannot recognize Satan or his devils. And then number three, anger. Boy, anger is a big one that opens the door wide open to the devils. This last Friday, I was driving through downtown Asheville. We went, did a little work from my mother-in-law, and I went. I wanted to go down. There was a there's a place in Asheville that's got a, a lot of different exotic hardwoods and and uh, different things that I wanted to look and see if I could find something for my wood shop. And on my way back, I'm by myself. I'm heading back toward my mother-in-law's house. And I'm driving right through downtown Asheville, and I notice as I'm stopped at a stoplight up at the corner, and he's still about maybe 25, 30 yards away, there's a young man, looked like he was probably in his mid-20s. He's got a flat rim ball cap down over, almost over his ears. He's got earbuds in both ears, and he's got an electric guitar that he's standing there, and I mean, he is jamming big time. And he's singing. You could tell he is singing at the top of his lungs. And really, I mean, my first reaction, being just the redneck that I am, is like, what a fool. That guy's an idiot. And so as I got a little bit closer, I, uh, I got automatic windows, and so I rolled down my passenger window. I wanted to hear what he was singing. I thought, is he lip-syncing or... Is because there's guitar music. I don't know what he was hearing in those earbuds, but ladies and gentlemen, he is singing and he is screaming these songs. And as you look at his face, there was so much anger that it was demonic. I thought, oh my. I remember as a young preacher boy going downtown in Asheville and preaching the gospel, and really the only thing we had to deal with back then was some drunks. But now, the spirit world, you've got people on every corner, you've got lesbians running around Asheville that are topless, you've got people with their music and their anger and just demons floating all over the place. When I get around those places... I can sense the demons. They're there. You say, well, that's being awfully critical. I'm just telling it like it is. Well, I don't feel devils. Well, then maybe something's wrong with you. Because they're there. These are not simply you know, deceitful lusts and lying and anger. They're not just simply sins of the eyes or the tongue. They are sins of the heart. 
And in conclusion, I want to draw your attention at verse number 28 of our text. We haven't read this yet. And I'll give you a little bit of verse by verse, and then we'll close this morning. In verse number 28, it says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Now, remember, verse 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. This is right slap dab in the middle of all of these principles. Neither let him that steal, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which uh, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth do you know a working man and a giving man is way less likely to steal or to take something dishonestly we've got a lack of working men especially the younger generation Younger generation thinks that everything should be handed to them and given to them. How in the world could people like Bernie Sanders and AOC and Nancy Pelosi, how could they win an election anywhere in the United States of America? Listen, you go back about 50 years, there's probably not a Democrat that would even vote for those. Why? Because they're socialists. They're saying that the government needs to hand everything to everybody. We need to provide health care. We need to pay off everybody's student loan. And you know what? We've got a generation, a younger generation that says, yeah, I'm voting for them. Free stuff. I don't have to work. Listen, young people, young men, the best thing that you can do is learn how to work and get some calluses on your hands and learn how to be a worker. Don't trust in a job. Don't trust in a career. Trust in work because that's the only thing you have any control over. I taught my son from day one, learn to work and you'll never starve to death. You'll always have what you need if you'll just simply learn to work. You know, by the time you get 12, 13, 14 years of age, it's time that you start learning more about work and less about play. You need to know more about a shovel than you do a video game. A working man. You've heard this all along. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Sadly, most young people's minds are not idle. They're being mesmerized by the digital world and by music being pumped into the ear that's just breaking down those resistances of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, an interesting thing is that corrupt communication has such a broad spectrum. It's not just about cussing. It includes cussing, but it also includes lying. It also includes manipulation. You know, manipulation and deceit, that is corrupt communication. Listen, preachers are notorious for saying things that get results rather than sticking with the things that edify and minister grace. 
I wonder how many preachers opened up the door to the devil through their embellished, emotionally manipulative preaching. You ought to think about that. You ever notice that some of these great, fabulous preachers that are so, I mean, wow, they are such a fabulous preacher, and you find out over the years, it's just like they fall like dominoes. You know why that is? It's because many of them, some of it's because the devil has them as a target. But sometimes it's because they open the door wide open because they don't stick to ethics and integrity and they try to manipulate the results for offerings, for fame, for glory, and they end up falling prey to Satan because they left the door wide open. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Boy, here's a couple of big ones that open the door to the devil, folks. Bitterness and unforgiveness. You think, well, I have, I have the right to be bitter. Suit yourself. If you've justified your bitterness in that way, then suit yourself because you're not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting everyone around you. And more importantly, you're opening the door to the devil. And then, of course, unforgiveness. You remember in 1 Corinthians, there was a man who did a horrible thing, a young man who committed fornication. And a type of fornication that Paul said, even the Gentiles don't talk about this. And the church, they didn't do anything about it until Paul showed up and said, you know what, you're puffed up. you got to deal with this. I mean, this young man did something that if this was back in Moses' day, God would have dropped him dead. And you say, why why in God's church today, why... Why do people get away with certain sins and God doesn't drop them dead? I'll tell you why. Because God told the church we're supposed to deal with it. There's sin in the camp. Hey, church discipline. Does anybody remember what that is? Most people in this generation, oh, that's when preachers are judgmental and hateful and unloving and unkind and they kick somebody out of their church. By the way, it ain't the preacher that kicks people out of the church. It's the church. And the purpose of it is primarily so that the sinner will get right with God. But of course, the devil's created a culture where that seldom if ever happens. Someone can commit some horrible sin, adultery, fornication, some horrible thing, and the preacher, being a man of God calls them before the deacons or however the church handles it, and they are asked to leave, they are removed from the church, and what do they do? Instead of getting right, they just go down to another church and start talking about how that they were treated so bad, and they're the victim, and they just go and they fit in at another church. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Church discipline is to get people's hearts right with God, but secondarily, it's to protect the integrity of a church. Purge out that old leaven because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Listen, if you've got, 
If you've got unrepented wickedness in your life, guess what you bring into this gathering? You bring the devil's door with you. Thanks a lot, by the way. Well, nobody knows. I'm just hurting myself. Yeah, well, you might be hurting your preacher. You might be hurting your children. You might be neutralizing the effect of the preaching of the gospel. Why? Because you brought the devils with you into the house of God. Now, I know I've done it before. I'm not, say, I'm not saying that in, in any way being judgmental. I'm just saying that I've been guilty of the same thing. And I thought, what's wrong with the people, Lord? They're not listening. Seems like there's a spirit there. And God said, what about you, son? It's very true. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 11, Paul's dealing with the church at Corinth. This man that committed this horrible fornication, he repented. And I mean, he really repented. He wasn't just sorry that he got caught. He was sorry for what he did. And he showed all of those signs and symptoms and fruit that he genuinely sorrowed unto repentance, but the church at Corinth wouldn't forgive him. And Paul says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Listen, when we won't forgive people who have genuinely, truly repented, then we hand the devil the tool to use against us. And then finally, we save the most important for last. Look with me at verse number 30. Once again, right here in the middle of all of these principles, we already saw neither give place to the devil, but here we see the most important thing by way of wisdom that we need to understand where Paul says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We read in the Bible that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be quenched. And he can be resisted. Pastor Adam Thompson was here years ago. And he said this. He said, when we resist the Holy Spirit, it produces in us an unholy spirit. When we have an unholy spirit, bizarre things happen. And folks, that is so, so true. I read in 1 Samuel 15 and verse number 23, Samuel told Saul, who had rebelled, who wouldn't obey God, wouldn't submit to God, he said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Hey, what is witchcraft? Witchcraft is incantations and potions and rituals that open up the door between the unseen spiritual world and the physical world. That's what witchcraft is all about. And God says that rebellion is as that sin. He's not saying it's as bad as witchcraft. He says it's as witchcraft. Why? Because our refusal to submit to God opens up the door to the devil just as it did with King Saul. You talk about bizarre things happening in the life of Saul. I mean, here's his, here's the man who rescued his son and rescued his army from Goliath. 
And here's this young man playing before him to calm his spirit. And what did Saul do? He picked up a javelin and wanted to pin him to the wall with it. He did it twice. I mean, he took all of these military resources and started chasing David all over the land. David's having to hide from him. You find that Saul, when God wouldn't answer his prayer, he went to the witch of Endor to try to get some understanding. All because he had an evil spirit and it was the result of resisting the Holy Spirit. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit of God today or are you yielding to the Holy Spirit of God today? This book right here is called The Sword of the Spirit. Are you receiving it? Or are you resisting it? If you're resisting, then you are opening the door to the devil. I'm done with my message here this morning. I hope that we've given you some wisdom and some understanding. We're not going to give an invitation today, but I would like to encourage you that if you have seen something from the Word of God today that you know you need to get right and you need to shut the door to the devil, I want to encourage you to go home, shut the door to your bedroom or your closet or your garage, and start doing business with God and get your heart in touch and in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. Confess your sins, repent of them. Start focusing and living according to truth and submit and surrender to the Lord and get that door to the devil, get it shut and get it locked. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at how to create an amiable atmosphere for devils. We're going to see some things out of the Word of God next week that I believe is going to be convicting. And you're going to see that Opening the door to the devil isn't just simply about all of these sins of lust and lying and stealing and anger and so forth, but some of them are very, very subtle, very, very accepted in today's Christian culture, and hopefully by the grace of God will be very convicting Let's bow our heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's stand to our feet. We'll pray and we'll be dismissed. I thank you uh, for your attention today and trust that God has given you some wisdom from His Word on how to shut the door on the devil. Brother Glenn Coppinger, I'd like to ask you to close us in prayer. When he's finished praying, the ushers will dismiss you a row at a time. God bless you, folks.